Hi, I'm Coach Nikki, and welcome to the Business 101 Show podcast. This is where we cut up the show, we remove the songs out of it, but we leave everything else in so you can still have the radio type experience. I hope you enjoy. Are you ready for this week's business hot seat? In five, four, three, two, one. And tonight we're joined by Andrea Wilden. Andrea has more than 20 years' experience working in healthcare, including Logan and Ipswich Hospitals, the Wakehole Women's Prison, and some of Queensland's most disadvantaged communities. She also happens to be the Logan Greens spokesperson and campaign organiser for Ford and Rankin. Andrea not only contested the seat for Stretton for the Greens at the 2020 state election, but she also secured 8.7% of that vote. Welcome to the business hot seat, Andrea Wilden. Hi, how are you going? Well, thanks. thanks. for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Now, of course, Andrea, we know each other personally, so I want to disclose that right up front because we're, we're all family friends. But yes. it was quite interesting. You shared a story with me on the weekend about how many people's votes actually don't end up counting in Logan. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And it is something that is a worry for us. So um, I've worked my entire life, um, you know, as you said, as a registered nurse and midwife um, in the Logan area. And, you know, this is one of my passions is, um, you know, trying to um, help people to learn how to vote. Um, Because I've noticed that in Rankin, we actually have a 7.7% informal vote rate, which is 7,111 people who didn't fill out their forms correctly back in the 2019 um, federal election. And we had 4,449 people who didn't fill it out correctly in Ford. Um, So one of the things that we found out with that was it it ended up being about 12% of people who did an informal vote in the Woodridge area in particular. So what we found that there are people who um, are, you know, more inclined to do an informal vote in areas that are, you know, multicultural areas, um, you know, more so um, lower socioeconomic areas, um, areas where there's lower rates of education, lower income levels, lower access to the internet, lower employment levels, um, higher rates of disabled people, um, higher, you know, areas where there's English as a second language. And, you know, as you can see, um, Woodridge is absolutely one of those areas. So, you know, they are, a, it's a disadvantaged area and it's an area that we really need um, democracy. You know, um, it's, it's not fair that, you know, that's an area that um, it's undemocratic to, um, to not have those people um, voice their, um, you know, have a right to vote. Yeah. And what do you think that, why is that? It, so it's not people just voting Bart Simpson because they're disenfranchised. Do you think a big portion of that is because they genuinely don't understand, don't understand the process or can't don't yes. have the um, yes. language Absolutely. skills or something as simple as that? Absolutely. So we have people who speak um, in the Rankin electorate, especially because um, I was a candidate for Stretton um, mm-hmm. in the 2020 election. Um, that's one of the um, most multicultural electorates in the whole of Queensland. Um, so we have people there who speak Mandarin, Samoan, um, Hindi, Cantonese, Arabic. Um, so, you know, language is a big problem. But we also have people who... Um, feel like they need to vote for the party who's in at the moment as, um, you know, because some people have come from places where they're used to an authoritarian government, so they're used to just, you know, um, voting for the people who are currently in and and sort of like that um, they feel like they can't go against the party who's currently in. 
um, or there's people who feel like they need to vote for the party who um, made them an Australian citizen um, and they feel like they can't go against that either. So there's, um, there's cultural reasons why they, um, why they vote um, rather than, you know, looking at what, what we suggest is that they need to have access to the internet they need to be able to look at a party's policies and actually see whether those policies can actually help them to have a better life, you know, and help them get access to education and get access to things that they might need in terms of, you know, becoming Australian citizens or helping their family to come and join them over um, and, and get work or, you know, things that might make their life better, you know. So can I ask, Andrew, what do you think that the answer is? Like, what could we be doing at this next election to help out with this start? Um, absolutely teaching people how to fill out these forms, um, you know, definitely telling people to uh, on the the green form, which is your um, your House of Representatives form. So um, what people don't understand, especially in Logan, is, is that there's two different things that you're that you've got to fill out, for example. So the green form is your House of Representatives. And that's your that's the people that in your area. So say for Rankin. Um, that's the people that in your area you've got one person that you've chosen who's going to represent you and go into parliament, in federal parliament, and represent your voice for what you want, you know? So mm. I, I think people don't understand that this is the person that you've said, they represent my area, and we're going to tell this person, take our, our hopes and dreams and what we want and take it to parliament and speak for us, you know? Mm. Um, and you've got to number every square on that green green form. You put your number one, and that's another thing they don't understand is they think somebody else chooses their preferences, but you put your number one where you want it, and then you number every square after that for what you want. Um, and then the other one is the Senate. Um, and so they, again, you can either put your number one and number six boxes up the top, or on the bottom part of that one, you can put um, at least 12 boxes below the line on that one. So, like, it's a little bit complicated mm. for people mm. who speak another language. Um, but we have got how to vote, um, which is, you know, what people out the front of these polling booths, what they're trying to give you. At the moment, um, especially in Rankin and Ford at the moment, uh, actually, it's mostly Rankin. On the polling booths, which open today, we have at... Um, Springwood at uh, Woodridge, especially, we have a problem at the moment because there's a safety issue with the car park. So um, we're finding it hard to get these how to votes to people at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's quite difficult to, to actually put these how to votes in people's hands and teach them, um, you know, how to vote properly. But uh, yeah, look, it's, I can, it's know, an interesting point, right? Difficult. Because yeah. I've voted ever since I was 18 and I still go to the polls going, mm. Now, it's the above line, below the line. Mm. There's the Senate, yes. the House of Reps. Do I have to vote yes. every box underneath because the Senate paper is like right. a metre long? That's and, right. And I would consider myself reasonably well informed, yet I'm still completely confused until I get there. Yeah, and look, the That's other thing right. is too, when you rock up to these polling booths, you've got a number of people coming at you waving pieces of paper in front of you that are different colours and, you yes. know, obviously mm. depending yes. on the party. But for somebody that maybe can't read English or doesn't really Absolutely. understand, that could be very confusing, very isn't it? I never yeah, thought of that angle. I just thought people were, you know, voting Bart Simpson because they'd had a gutful. You and I both. But it's yeah. because they actually may not have the comprehension or in some of their home countries, they may actually be threatened with violence if they don't vote a certain way. Like, we've got free democratic yeah. elections, right? So this would include, Andrew, I'm assuming, people who think that they go in and vote correctly, 
but mm-hmm. don't actually put a number in That's every right. square on the green. Is it the green one? That's that you've got right. To put? House yeah. of Reps. And if you, yeah, if, Andrew, is it true? If you don't, I heard the AC on, on uh, Talkback Radio this morning actually explaining to people how to vote. Mm-hmm. So and they say yeah. you've got to put a minimum of X numbers, like you just said, top and bottom. So it's a it's mm-hmm. a broader problem in top the Australian community, yeah. um, but especially so then in our minority communities that have language barriers as well. If That's we, right. It just That's putting right. it out there. If we didn't have this whole preference system that we have, mm. would this take away a lot of the confusion that there is out there? Um, look, it might make it a little bit easier. I'm not sure that it would make your vote count. Um, because, you know, preferencing is, preferencing is a way to keep your vote in the system. So if your, if your first preference, um, it, it, it doesn't make it, at least your vote is still in the system and, and doesn't expire. That's a really um, good way of explaining so can, it. Never heard yeah. someone explain it like that before. Because I used to get angry about it. Because I go, well, if I voted one for this person, then I don't want anybody else pilfering my vote and giving it to someone <laughs> else. Like if I go one for Fred yeah. Nurk, well, that's Fred Nurk I voted for. Mm. And how dare you give it to Sam Smith over here, right? But it's actually true. If you, if you can keep it in circulation, but then you actually yeah. almost... You might get your second preference. Hmm. Oh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that still. Because well, first past the post, chose, but then if you, you can't... It. No, I know. I know. <laughs> but normally if you can't get first past the post, which is really what we're trying to do, then, you know, people win on I preferences. Know. So the this last... Was it the last me. government actually had the least first past the post, but won on preferences or, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's why Australian politics, I just scratch my head. And then throw yeah. into the mix that English is not your first language. By the way, I'm ESL. English is not my first language. And then you yeah. can't read the how to vote card. You can't read the ballot form. And Andrew, your numbers, that was like 11,500 people when you say 12% That's right. Woodridge. That's right. And wow. our vote is so powerful. Mm. You know, we can actually change things. And this is another thing that people don't understand, that this is actually a federal election. So when you're hearing messages, there's like a lot of messages going around from other parties saying, oh, if you vote for us, we'll fix your, um, your footpath or blah, blah, blah. But I mean, we've got to actually teach people what a federal election, you know, these, what mm. we're talking about here in the federal election are Australian-based issues. So we're talking about things at a, at a national level. Mm-hmm. So national decisions on health, such as Medicare, for example. We're talking about national decisions to do with education, laws at an Australian level, you know, immigration laws, for example. Things that are um, border security, you know, all the things that are infrastructure at a national level, like everything at a federal level, we're not talking about things that are at a council level at this election, you know, which is why we're talking about the, sp- the Senate and, you know, you know, things at that level. So I think that's something that people don't understand, you know. We get a lot of comments um, that are, yeah, talking about things at their local pool, for example, yeah. you know. it's Yeah, it's a confused confused public out there. Andrea, um, Mal here. Um, you've highlighted this issue, and of course, locally, because of uh, it's Woodridge in around our listening area as we speak. Yeah. If this, if it's such a problem, and they've known about this for a number of years since the last election, how come th- there haven't been measures and steps put in place to address this through the Electoral Commission uh. or, or even... You know, the federal governments and... Yeah, it feels like an electoral commission That's problem, That's an AEC problem, surely. I feel like mm. politics has been kept out um, of the everyday person. I feel like it's been kept in the upper echelon, to tell you the truth. I feel like it's... that um, You know, politics has just been been kept 
in the um, like in the corporate world, I don't feel that it's been made for the grassroots everyday people to actually make decisions that that work for them, that work for people in in community. You know, and I think we've got to turn that around. I think we've got to make politics work for the everyday person in our community. So so that we are thinking. That we used to say think globally, but act locally. So I think we can actually organise as a community, but actually make your vote count um, at the polls. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So I think there's been way too long where we've had these, you know, magazine articles. I'm I'm saying magazines and newspapers, but we've got social media and internet now. Um, but we've had way too long where politicians have been kept up in the spotlight, up on stages and in magazines and newspapers. And we need to kind of bring that down to the local level and say, hey, look, these are the politicians who work in our community, who live in our community, and they are our representatives. And we demand that they do what we say. This is the grassroots people saying, you work for us. You know, we want dental into Medicare. We want free union TAFE. We want this, this, this. You know what I mean? Like, we want... Everything that the community needs, we want this for us because you know this what's, is what's going to make us live a better life. You know what's interesting? Um, you say that politics has been removed from the everyday person. I, I think I blame the cancel culture for that because even here at the station, we have a policy of we can't be politically aligned, right? And I skate that line all the time because I talk to a lot yeah. of politicians. But when you think about it, a community radio station, even a community radio station has to have a sensibility around how they talk to a person that says they're from a party and how we put that light forward. So yeah. what you said, I just that resonates with me because I go, well, even at a like a community broadcaster, we have to be conscious of not seen to be leaning one way or the other or supporting one way or the other. So I think politics is, in general, we used to be able to discuss politics. You know, politics, yeah. religion and sex even, they're the three no-goes in a dinner conversation, right? But you go back to the 80s yeah. and 90s, yeah. it was more widely yeah. spoken about. But today they yeah. are 100% no-go areas in general discourse. Do you know what? I'd be really interested to see the stat also on how many of those particular um, donkey votes or whatever you're going to call them are from the younger generation as well because, Nikki, you oh, and I had a yeah. conversation earlier in the in the lunchroom where I admitted to voting for the person who gave me a pen and a ruler at one of the elections. That's because when you were 19. Yeah, because yeah. I had... And it wasn't because I was being ignorant. You know, I turned up to give my vote, but I had no idea of what I was supposed to be doing. The education just simply was not there for me in school to educate me on what this means and what I'm supposed to do. So I rocked up, someone gave me a ruler and a pen and I thought, gee, you're useful. You're the reason the AAC banned promo giveaways at the election <laughs> Probably. <boots>. It worked <laughs> an that absolute happened about treat. 10 years ago. All right, look, we're getting the wrap up from now. Look, Andrea, it'd be remiss of me not to ask you before you go because yeah. I don't know a lot about the Greens as a political party, right? Yeah, Does the yeah. Greens have any signature business policies that the business tribe of Logan would find interesting oh look absolutely and i look one of the things is we we don't take corporate donations so we are a grassroots party as i've been talking about but we you know we do want to help the small business um community grow so because we have got you know older women are one of the highest uh, the groups who are highest at risk of homelessness and um unemployment so we really wanted to push this uh, policy of ours to help um, older women um, and, and women actually uh, have a small business. So we have got this policy at the moment that's on our platform and I do ask everybody to go and like research all the policies of, of who you're going to vote for before you get to the booth, if you've got internet access, of course, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, lower socioeconomic areas have lower rates of internet access. 
Um, but if you can have a look at all of our policies, yes, we do have a policy on helping women, um, making sure that they've got a, a grant or helping them get a grant to um, have women-led businesses. We also have um, uh, grants for businesses to get batteries, for um, storage, for uh, you know transitioning to renewables. We also have um, a whole policy that helps with small business. We were actually... Um, voted in the 2016 federal election. Actually, it was the oh, it was the Small Business Chamber of Commerce, I think it was, that voted us as like the the party. I don't know. They gave us some award for small business. I'll have to have a look at it anyway. Mm. But yeah, we have this policy that talks about you know doubling the GST registration threshold and um, you know defending us, uh, defending you from unfair contract terms from large businesses guaranteeing that small businesses get paid on time. Like, we've got a policy there that really takes care of small businesses. So, you know, that's kind of where the Greens sit. We sit with, like, individuals, um, you know, raising job seeker and, and um, you know, looking after um, housing affordability crisis and those sorts of things. But then we sit also looking after small businesses and making sure that they're okay. Whereas, you know, to pay for these things and, and to pay for dental into Medicare and that sort of thing. We want to tax the billionaires and just kind of even up that wealth inequality. Fantastic. So, now, look, it's a yeah. conversation that needs more time and unfortunately we're out of time tonight. But what I'd like yeah. to do is invite you, let's do a podcast about uh, Green's policies around business and we can get yeah. that captured next week and then we can put it up on our website and our Facebook page if people want to hear yeah, more I'd in depth. That. What do you reckon? So we can get together next week and do that. Sounds Carrie, great. That? That'd be Perfect. Great. All right, we'd like to thank Andrea Wilden. Of course, like I said, Andrea is the Logan Green spokesperson and campaign organiser for Ford and Rankin. Hope you get some sleep over the next two weeks, Andrea. It's going to be a busy time for the election and we'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Nick. Thanks very much.